Welcome, everybody, to Everything Speaks If You Listen with Jen Cobbleworks. I'm your host, Jen Cobblewilhoyt, and this episode is even noisier than typical episodes. Um, we meet each other in this episode at the end of one of my walks, and something um, mystical and magical and sacred and friendly and sweet raced after me when I went out the door for this walk. And when I started coming home, I realized what I had been gifted with, an invitation into reflection and inner listening. The examine on four legs was what chased after me in the most loving way. And I wanted to give you a little window into what my practice often looks like. And, um, so you will hear background noises, some trucks. I have listened through this. The episode is audible and and clear to me, but I do apologize if it is too noisy for you. And I will say, I still have not read all of the mystery words on the mystery piece of paper that I found. Um, I'm still being Nancy Drew with that, but the birds did arrive and you can hear them at the end of the episode. The birds showed up loudly and in chorus and it was a really fun symphony. So I hope you enjoy this living examine and this real-time reflection with me. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I'm walking right now so you may hear me huffing and puffing. I wish you could hear the birds because they're so loud and it's been really nice to hear them because we have had rain and God bless it. We need the rain, but the blue sky and the birds in the sun today feel real, real good. Um, so, okay. I just found a little note that somebody had torn up on the ground and it's my and there was a big words that said good day circled and I don't have my glasses on but there are other words that say shine and touch so that's I don't know why this piece of paper was torn up but I'm so glad that what I can see of it is a little a little gift Okay, so why am I recording this when I'm walking and I'm distracted with torn notes and birds and cars are going by? Because it occurred to me in this moment that I just got done doing an examine while walking. And I wanted to share with you why that's momentous or like worth sharing. <laughs> um, so we see this practice, like so many practices, as having a particular rhythm and shape to it. And I don't know about you, but my imagination, even after like 14 years of doing this practice, still imagines like a quiet, nearly dour posture, a deep thinking, um, solitude. Maybe there's like a, a dark wooden desk and like a, a big, thick journal and a candle. And it, it's just, it's all very Gregorian chantish <laughs> and very... Uh, very kind of academic or something it has this um, these descriptors of um, I don't know high, high church uh, virtuosity or something 
which, you know, again, not harshing on that, just saying that when I think of reflection and inner listening and I, I had the word practice to it, I, I do still get this image of like really stayed, uh, yeah, a really stayed scenery. And I'm out here on this walk and I am awaiting, I was awaiting medical results, some test results. I've shared with you guys, like, I have a health journey like all of us. Lately, it's been really stressful for me and full of additional layers of mystery that um, I haven't had to deal with in a long time. And, and I'm very stressed about it. I'm very worried about it. And with my stress and my worry is coming a lot of language of you'd never be in the position that you're in now if you would have just uh, done all of the right, good, disciplined things in the past, this everything's probably worse because of your poor discipline, poor inconsistency. You know, I don't even want to. I don't want to gift you or me the the crap gift of, of what this internal dialogue is because it's mean spirited, and it's harsh, and it leaves no room, no room for anything, anything but blame and shame and fear. So I knew that that's, I knew that I could feel and hear that energy and voice in my head. I knew I was living with that. I knew I was living with that, especially at a higher volume in anticipation of getting these test results back. I went on the walk. I was getting scared on the walk because I would say I was strolling And it felt hard to do. And I'm kind of sweating and I have done nothing but like the equivalent of a 23-minute mile. In the part of me who used to be very athletic and um, would do little triathlons and 5Ks and, you know, was always trying to get skinny but never really realized how strong I was. That part of me um, can join in with this inner critic and I notice my pace or my effort and um, the pace is so much slower and the effort is so much more right now and that athlete part of me is disappointed and it wants to it wants to train and force a change of direction and so it kind of hops on board with the inner critic and is like yeah just work harder that's always worked in the past except it hasn't and as soon as I realized, I started kind of arguing with this part of me and going, but it, it hasn't always worked to push and force. That's kind of part of the problem right now. So I always push and force. And now I'm at a threshold that demands a different posture, a different pace, a different rhythm, a different frequency, a different, different volume, a, a different everything. And naturally... I started hearing inside a voice going, let's just walk and feel how you're feeling right now. Let's just come into the belly of your being right now, how it feels to be you right now. Let's just notice it all, Jennifer. That's the voice of spirit bringing me to the center moment, the present moment. And then... The more I could just kind of acknowledge that and feel it, 
not pretend that it wasn't around. Recognize that that those feelings and voices they weren't going anywhere. They were they were there. I just heard them. I didn't do a lot of pushing back. I did I did a little crying while walking. And and then these things started to soften and and settle. And I just naturally started to notice um, some gratitude. I started noticing a little bird. I saw this monarch butterfly. It was really tiny. Um, I spent a lot of time being still. It came very close to me. It, it flitted around me. Um, it, we had a moment. <laughs> and I said to it, thank you, you're so beautiful. And it, and it buzzed all around. You know, and I know what these kinds of moments are, right? They are this beautiful marriage of magic and realism, magical realism. <laughs> Isn't that so wonderful that that's also a term in literature? They're, they're a beautiful synthesis of intuition and rationality. They're a beautiful synthesis of spirit and flesh. Because, of course, that butterfly, in so many ways, is just being a butterfly. It doesn't know me as human. It doesn't know what human is. It doesn't know what I, Jennifer, am. It has no sense of, uh, of hearing, thank you, you're so beautiful, from me and feeling inspired or, or connected. We also know that in that same moment, that butterfly was giving me its presence to share something of that moment beyond what I was feeling as fear. We do know in that moment that that butterfly understood my gratitude and that I understood its vibrance. Moments like that sacred, magical moments like that, that are, that mean nothing but the facts and also mean everything of sacred belonging exist in our everyday life all of the time, all of the time. This is what we mean when we say love is in all things. This practice of reflection, it pierces, it pierces our eyes of realism to see the magic that's alive in us and around us, but not to diminish or belittle the realism because the realism is profound and meaningful and beautiful too. Monarch is mon monarch, Butterf monarch butterfly as monarch butterfly, biome as biome, human as human. All of the species talk, the science here is still gorgeous. It's equally gorgeous because within that disconnection, and realism, the butterfly is wholly something that can be observed and celebrated as its own being. Profoundly different and, and unique from me. And in the, in the place of connection, there's this union, um, you know, a kinship is what we would call it, right? So both exist. So that was this moment of gratitude. And then I started just on my own, looking back at 
all of the years since age 19 that I have dealt with this confusing diagnosis. All of the ways that it has touched and pulled on threads in my life and my identity. And all of the ways I've resisted. All of the ways I've embraced it. All of the ways I've ignored it. All of the ways I've tried to engage with it. I looked back. I let the weight of all of those years and also the promise of them and just the different courses, the regret, the embarrassment, the hope, I let it all be something I could journey through. I let it all be a landscape to walk through. Just recognizing that these aren't just test results that I'm waiting for. They're the next lines or the next chapter in a story that I have a lot of opinions on about me. There's a lot of self-determination and self-portraiture that goes on when I engage in this past story. I paint myself in a particular way oftentimes, and when I look back on it, I was able to see where I had let that painting become very harsh and critical and irresponsible and unaccountable. I let all of those things come and I could feel spirit pouring compassion into all of it. Just acknowledging the, the fibrousness of it, cloudiness of it, expansiveness of it, the weight of it. The multitudinousness of it. I kept walking and I started, um, I started noticing other things on the path that were getting my attention besides the butterfly, a roly-poly, some trash that I could easily have p- picked up and I did and deposited, rosemary bush, field of supposed weeds, dandelions and tall da- and small daisies that are full of potent herbal medicine and I hope the city doesn't dig up or spray because they're beautiful little flowers and I know they choke out grass but they welcome all all kinds of other things besides grass the large sequoias I started noticing a lot of people on walks who were um, running and biking ferociously and fear and and fiercely and they had beautiful strides and strokes and they they looked like they were working hard but that they had the capacity to work that hard there was a a joy in their tenacity in their movement and i let myself feel the loss of not being able to do that right now i realized it was moving into a place of desolation of disconnection of grief there's some part of my identity that I can't connect with right now. And it makes me feel not connected to God and the world in some way. To not be able to be incredibly physical. To feel forced to be slow. I felt how that desolation and that loss made me feel like a loser. I felt the ableism of internalized ableism of, of myself. That how I feel more valid or more capable when I'm more physically capable and I let I let the sadness of that prejudice internalized prejudice sit with me 
I let myself feel how I don't really believe that. But I wonder if I have to believe that. Because the deeper desolation is, what if this is a world or a society that will never make room for anyone but the very strongest? And then the pain really set in. The real desolation and heartache. And I could feel sacred's presence there too. Because sacred goes into the wound and creates a doorway. The sacred can be the wound. The sacred goes into the rubble. Into the blast radius. And then I could feel a deep connection. I started seeing other people walking and they were walking very slowly, some of them hand in hand with each other, someone pushing a baby, some walking a dog, some doing some Tai Chi movements while walking, some taking some pictures, some singing to an elder person while guiding them with their walker. Some people just riding their bike and like taking circles in the street and then going on their way and then taking another circle and going on their way. There were all kinds of paces, all kinds of paces that were slow and beautiful and filled with joy and a different kind of an effort, an effort that I was wanting to cultivate, an effort of presence, an effort of feeling love for the shape I'm in now, for the state I'm in now. And I let, I let all of that consolation and community and connection fill me. And the walk continued and I started noticing, you know, spirit and me starting to talk, like, what am I going to do next? Or what if these test results say this or that? What are my next steps? What do I feel regret over? Did I make wrong decisions in the past? Is that why I'm here? Am I, am I, do I just need to try harder? Do I need to give myself more compassion, more love? All of these things, like what do I do to mend and tend to myself? <laughs> do I need to say I'm sorry to my doctor? Because I've been argumentative and cantankerous in ways that I didn't need to be, but I was scared. And But I bet in a few appointments, like, I hurt her feelings because I hate confrontation, but wow, I can be the goddess of discord. <laughs> um, I thought about all that and I realized this is a mending and tending step. I thought about what was on the horizon, how I don't know what's on the horizon. I don't know what this next health chapter is going to exactly involve. But I let some of my worst fears come and also my biggest hopes. The point of this step is to let spirit come in and make that horizon big. Let yourself dream big. And it's a time too to say to spirit, for whatever's coming, this is what I think I need. If I'm going to walk towards this horizon, especially if I don't know what's involved with it, like this is what I think I need to get there. I named some things I thought I needed. Play. More slow walks. A different work schedule so that there's time for these slow walks. Some more recipes that feature uh, 
delicata squash because I think it's really delicious and my body seems to love it. And maybe that resource would help. So everything from compassion and patience and play to recipes for delicata squash came as as things that I might need or want when going to this unknown horizon. And then naturally came this gratitude again. The air smells clean and fresh. The birds are out, they're singing. The crows don't squawk at me when I come to one part of the street. We seem to know each other now. They do squawk at me in another place. Some, some flowers are blooming. Moss is everywhere because of all of the rain that we've had. The lemons and the, and the oranges are ripe on the tree. There's enough for me to pick and share with a whole bunch of neighbors and leave a box out for passersby. There are hours left in the day for me to stretch into reading these test results and doing other work and responsibilities. And I felt better at the end of the walk just knowing that I had made time and space to feel all of the shitstorm, all of the disconnection, all of the mess, and all of the hope. Unintentionally, what happened on this walk and what happens on many walks is an examine. It's a, it's, it's a practice of rumination as well as dialogue and friendship. It's where we mull things over. We try to do this, though, as much as possible before we leap into big action. Because when we do the practice regularly, when we do this inner listening, we can see there's a lot. There's so many live wires in us and around us. We could really just react all of the time rather than sink into places where we can feel some inner ground and some hand-holding with the sacred, with something and someone that loves us that helps us respond rather than react. I'm not trying to sound... I do not hope... I, I, I've, my words are gone. I really hope I don't sound preachy and condescending. I don't want this to be a sharing where I'm like, look what I did. I'm so one with the universe. Um, we're all one with the universe. <laughs> All the time, in every state of being, we are all one with the universe. We are all in the arms of the divine. She, she does not leave us. She is in us and with us. He is for us and striding around, communing with all things. The divine is on the move and fully present, and we never have to get better to be one with the universe. So I don't want to, I don't want to come across like I've got this. I want to just say it occurred to me on the way home. Here was this practice that came unannounced. It greeted me on its own. It came to me because it knew it needed, I needed it. It came to me as a friend because it is a friend. The practice itself is a friend. It is a moving hearth as again, Hemingway would say a movable feast, although he wasn't talking about the examine, but other stuff. So it counts. This practice can and will come to you. Spirit will come to you and engage in conversation. Maybe you have a different rhythm and it doesn't really look like the examine. I notice my rhythm of sacred conversation with people, but also myself and with God. It has this rhythm. 
holy shit, this is what's going on right now. This is what really matters to me. In this moment, I can at least kind of smile about this. This is how it's been. Oh my God, the weight of it. The size of it. I swear, when I sit with all of that history and present moment, I'm feeling a deep gravity well of grief and disconnection. I wonder if I've been eclipsed, tossed aside, or I've missed the boat. There's this pain. There's this longing, this smile, this embrace, this connection. It comes to consolation. What am I going to do? How am I going to tend to these things? My life, this reality, mending and tending, accountability, decisions, engagement. How do I want to get to where I'm going? Do I even know where I'm going? Mapping out, looking ahead, provisioning for the mystery and the known horizon. Coming back around to I belong. I see things that bring me joy, that know my name and that I know it, that I can tuck into my heart and my pocket. Later, when I find out more of these test results, I may... I don't know what I'll be feeling. But right now I feel more in love. More held by love and more in a state of compassion for myself and for all humans who have bodies and lives that are complicated. And I think that whatever it is that I'm asked to contend with, it will perhaps feel different now that I took this time to honor my humanity, to listen to it and to take the hand of the universe see that there is an offering of kinship and connection and to let spirit come within and come along and say I'm here I'm here in your rubble I'm here in what's being built. I am here, alive, creative, creating, loving, facilitating. You're not, you're not alone. I was a big truck. All right, so anyway, so I share all of that just to say that like this practice over time, it comes to us. Okay, it comes to us. It leaves it it leaves the the candlelight and the thick journal and the halls with cathedral windows and thick wooden molding and it leaves tradition and ideology. It leaves all of those things to be in and around us. The practice itself does this. It it comes along like our spirit friend. And I guess I just wanted to share that aspect of it. It's not always about us remembering to sit down and like be good with our practice. 
It's not always about consciously moving from step to step to step. It's, um, it's sometimes being whisked, whisked away into tight, close, sincere dialogue and connection when we need it most. This is a gift of hospitality. This is the universe. This is God. This is Holy Mother reaching out with her hospitality. This is the animism of life. The God face of the monarch butterfly coming out and saying, I see you. Let me journey with you. Let me, let me, let me listen. Let me offer myself. Um, and yeah, uh, that's all I wanted to say is that like, uh, if you're starting this practice and you're wondering what benefit does it do? Well, one thing is that it, it just, you just get familiar with it and you start to recognize it pops up in ways that are all, almost subconscious and unconscious. You just almost do it without thinking. Um, just like friendships are sometimes without thought. This is a friendship practice. And also just sharing this to show you that like, um, you don't have to be striving all of the time to be good with your practice. I trust that the practice will come to you. Um, even if you don't notice that that's happened, that's okay too. Um, I just, yeah, wanted to say this is, this is part of how it has legs and feet. I'm going to go put on my glasses and see if I can read more of this torn note. Maybe in my newsletter, I'll tell you about it. We'll see what it says. It's so very Encyclopedia Brown and Nancy Drew to find a torn note with circled words. I mean, my eight-year-old self is delighted right now. Absolutely delighted. Scooby-Doo energy, 12 out of 10. All right. Love you guys. And I'll talk to you soon.